Hello and welcome to episode two of series two of the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, the ridiculously surnamed Danny Champion. Episode two is with Emily Dolan Davies, drummer for Brian Ferry, for The Darkness, for Cher Lloyd, for Tricky, for Howard Jones, and most recently, in fact, currently out on tour with the wonderful Kim Wilde. This one's an interesting one. Um, I reached out to Emily via Instagram. She posted, she commented or liked one of my posts. And so I got in touch with her, um, having never met her before, and said, would she be interested in having a chat for the podcast? And she did, and she was up for it. And it was a great chat. And we had it over Skype, which was a first for me as well. Um, Hopefully some of the technical issues that we had uh, during our conversation won't come through in the edit. Um, But it was a, a wonderful chat about being a professional drummer and everything that comes with being a professional drummer, either in the studio or on tour, being part of bands, not being part of bands, and just being freelance and making your own way in the industry as a session player, as a professional musician. Um, A massive thank you to Emily for agreeing to be on this. Um, Do check her out via all the various means. I'll be back at the end to give you uh, the links, but you can also look for links in the episode bios below. Uh, This intro has gone on for way too long. I'm going to shut up. Here's my chat with Emily Dolan Davies. I started out, I'm from North London, yes. basically, born and bred, nice. uh, and I started playing the drums when I was 11 years old. Um, I was at school, just a regular school, really awful school. I love it because it's awful, but you know what right. I mean? It was one of those things. Uh, and there was a, a note in the register that basically said there was a drum club starting. Right. Um, I sort of grew up in a household where there was always music playing. My dad played guitar. Um, my mum sort of played a little bit of piano, not particularly well by her own admission, not mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and but nothing really spoke to me but I went to this drum club and I just kind of sat down behind the kit and it like I couldn't do it but it kind of just like made sense to me and it it kind of I don't know something clicked in my brain and I was just like wow I love this and I think I could be good at it and I just became completely obsessed with it and and just wanted to play drums 24 7 all the time that's all I thought about yeah there was just no looking back it was tunnel vision all the way and I knew from then I was like this is how this what I want to do this one how I want to spend my life this one how I want to earn my living and uh, so yeah from from 11 it was all day every day it was that sort of thing basically it was like an addiction I mean not like an addiction it was an addiction it was kind of like when I I would be up at like uh, so for an hour before school I would go and practice I would go for an hour at lunch and an hour after school um, along with my best friend Sheree she happened to 
we both happened to take up the drums on the same day and she mm-hmm. still plays now as well cool. uh and um yeah and if i wasn't playing i was thinking about it if i wasn't doing that i was sort of at home looking up drummers and i say that like i was on the internet of course there wasn't the internet i was listening to albums that my dad would show me or right. i would watch vhs's and <laughs> you know and just become completely engrossed and i would what like i'd listen to people like rush because my dad instantly as soon as i came home uh and said i wanted to be a drummer he's like right and he sort of got out uh, what was it rush uh, exit stage left the live right. album and he was like you want to be a drummer this is a drummer and then he played me yyz and i was like oh my god that's amazing that's the best thing i've ever heard and then he showed me like bill bruford and king crimson and i'd already already been brought up in a lot of blues so a lot of Jimi Hendrix, B.B. King, John yeah. Mayall, people like that. And, and yeah, it, it just, it was an obsession. And like I said, I, I just, all I had in my head was this, this is me. I'm done. Like, this is it. This is going to be it. And throughout, I mean, this is at the very beginning of secondary school. So throughout secondary school, are you choosing to practice drums instead of going out, hanging out with friends? Is it that Absolutely. sort of thing? You know, again, that, that whole thing of if you want to be a, a professional guitar player whatever drummer it's yeah. you do that for six hours a day rather than Absolutely. go out and do anything else yeah I, I it was exactly that I mean lucky for me for some reason ever since I was a kid I'm, I'm a I was a bit of a loner so it was kind of okay, okay. Like, I had a few friends of that but it was yeah I just was like I, I don't want to be doing anything else and as you say like you know when my friends were all going oh come out whatever and knocking knocking for me um it was just like no actually I'm gonna stay in and I'm gonna practice because I can I mean for the first maybe couple of years that I played I didn't have a drum kit so the only time I got to play was when I was at school so what that meant was like I said I was coming in school an hour before school an hour at lunch an hour after school then also I was playing with every musician that I could in school and you know and that was including all the GCSE people all the A-level people so (laughs) these poor 18 year olds had this little 11 year old girl just going yeah I'll play for you and it was just you know but that that was it you know I just wanted to play and it was playing in any show that I could and just any situation and I would do that and then outside of school my parents were so super supportive and every week they would take me to a blues jam so I'd be playing with guys that were you know 60 70 years old um literally seat the pants right it's a shuffle follow me for the changes kind of thing and I was yeah, I'm there. You know what I mean? And it, and I just, I, it was everything to me. Mm-hmm. Still is. <laughs> so there was, there was quite, there was quite a, a large amount of opportunities around you, either in school because of other performers, bands, looking for drummers, looking for people to, to, yeah. to get in there. But also around the North London area, there was just a really good, vibrant scene of just, hey, let's come on down and just jam. Definitely. I mean, I'm not sure that it was actually like that. I think a lot of it was to do with my dad mainly sort of seeing this spark of something. And obviously he used to play guitar a lot. He used to want to be uh, used to want to be a professional when he was a kid. So I think he sort of saw that and was like, oh, okay, like I need to help. So mm-hmm. I think he literally went to the pubs because I I wasn't allowed yeah. in pubs. I still am not sure how he went, like wangled that. But he definitely had a conversation with someone was like, right, OK, let her come in and play. She's not drinking. I'm taking full responsibility for her. Nothing is going to happen sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, like I said, I have no idea what he said to them. 
they sort of like uh, let me in and i was like cool great and at the time you don't think about it yeah. but then even i remember even being like that sort of age and although i was playing with every person i could conceivably sort of like get my hands on as it were i still felt like i'm not doing enough i should be playing with more people mm -hmm. i should be in a band you know and, and just there was this insatiable hunger to be playing and to be playing with lots of different people and then so I started looking outside of school when I was 14 because my parents basically agreed because I was so just like please and then I ended up joining a heavy metal band at 14 nice. which <laughs> yeah exactly the rock so it was just this thing of like like I said it was like an insatiable hunger that's that's the only way I can kind of yeah. describe it The big thing that I haven't done, and one of the things I was going to ask about to you as someone who has the podcast, and now I'm guessing you're kind of shifting it towards the YouTube channel. Yeah, that's exactly right. Is you that, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, is that kind of... I was, I was interested to find out a bit about what does that entail? You know, as in, you know, it's all well and good for someone who's finding out that creating content's the easy bit. You know, having this chat is is fairly easy yeah. uh, you know sitting down and and recording a, a 10 15 minute video is okay i don't know how long they take you probably Not yeah. that long. Yeah. but <laughs> that that bit's fairly simple but actually getting it out there getting it discovered finding it people discovering yeah. it and that sort of stuff is is the hard bit so yeah. is there is that you know have you are you still learning that side of things always or i think it's like anything of... i'm just i'm constantly sort of trying things and like like you say things like the fact that I did have sort of a podcast that I was trying to get content up every week, but it became kind of, it was cool and people were listening to it. But, uh, and I'm sure you found this, a podcast is a weird thing because you don't really get any feedback. You really feel like you're just throwing stuff out there, or at least I wasn't. But whereas things like YouTube, yeah. it feels slightly more conversational. And even things like, I mean, later on today, I'm doing a YouTube live thing. And oh. I love, love, love that because it's like, it is literally conversational. I can mm -hmm. answer questions, you know, and it becomes a much more fun thing. And yeah. whereas, I mean, I'm, if you've seen any of my videos, which I'm not sure if you have or haven't, but I'm quite good at talking to a camera by myself. But right. when there's a camera, it's kind of okay because you're kind of, it's about this and I'm very animated when I talk, which yeah. obviously this is a podcast and so no one will be able to see that. But I am, promise me. I can I, confirm that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas doing a podcast, it's just, I became very aware that I was sitting in a room talking to a wall and just going, is anyone getting anything from this? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I guess the, the difference between what your, you do, yours is very much your own thoughts, your musings, your yeah. knowledge and kind of putting it out there for, I think as you put it on your YouTube channel, the 11 year old you who, wasn't, who wasn't there. Whereas I've always gone, I don't want to be one of those that, people. You, I don't, I don't want to, don't get the information off of me. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to talk to all these amazing individuals <laughs> like yourself to get the information from you. And it's so funny that you say that because I, my ideal would 
be exactly what you're doing and and just talking to other people on a podcast because I think that's so interesting like finding out other people's stories and their take on things and it becomes a conversation and you know ideas can be sparked off and that's mm. incredible but the thing that stopped me was exactly the thing that you we were just talking about earlier it's getting people together on a schedule and, yes. and just being able to work it out. And I was like, do you know what? I'm already putting out a lot of stuff. I don't need to stress myself out even more. No. And I think that's that. the case. That's balance. the thing as well is that, yeah, as you put, yeah, a balance, especially with the kind of the, how, how important putting stuff out there is. Oh my God, it's everything. Well, that's what I was, I wanted to, to get onto that is that as a drummer in your position, as a session player, yeah. um, correct me, if that's not the term oh, yeah, that you yeah. like, but yeah, yeah, have you? Be anything. <laughs> did you? No, but as in, you know, you're not in a band, no, specifically no. and things like that. Is that was it a conscious decision to think I have to add value to this? I have to do something extra to get my name out there more and to help me get the work in, get the jobs in. Do you think your yeah. your YouTube channel and and before that the podcast was a was a big reason why? maybe you know labels managers and other bands discovered you got you Absolutely. into the got you into the fold and that sort of stuff well it's really it's really really interesting that you say that because obviously as you say being a session drummer and whatever that means i mean that means many things to many different people yeah. it's a whole thing but you know what i mean in in the broad sense of the 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 term um you are very much this one person by yourself trying to Yep. project who you are what you do and basically going hello can you anyone want to employ me and I've been trying to do that and been doing that since as I say since I was 11 but obviously properly in the last oh how old am I now I don't know in the last 13 14 years yep. and um it's a really difficult thing and and I'm not one for uh, showboating definitely especially as a drummer because I'm just not that kind of drummer I'm a song right. drummer I'm a groove drummer and you know I don't do the flashy stuff because I can't okay. and it just doesn't you know it doesn't float my boat and and you know I'm okay with that it's uh -huh. taken me years to be okay with that but yeah. I'm okay with that and so I kind of looked at what I was doing and and um, I was going well how can I put myself out there more without sort of being like look at me look at me because it's just not although it probably seems like it is, it's not actually in my nature. And then mm -hmm. I thought, okay, well, how can I do this in a way that is actually helpful to people? Because I love helping people. And as I say, I love meeting people and, and chatting to them and finding out their stories. And I just thought, let me just put out some information because I remember coming up, starting out in like playing the drums, thinking I want to be a professional. I have no idea how to do that. But now I kind of do have slight understanding i'm not saying that i know everything i'm certainly learning new things every day and yeah. you know that's the wonderful thing about it um but i just thought well let me just do that and it's become this really enjoyable sort of thing and like you say and the side thing of that is that it gets people noticing me and opening up a dialogue in mm -hmm. terms of like do you want to come play on this tour do you want to come play on this record now i've got my studio as well that's kind of another facet to what i'm doing um which has opened up a whole new world to me like owning a business is like the craziest thing ever if you'd have told my 11 year old self that i own a business they're like <laughs> no you don't don't be ridiculous <laughs> so um yeah it's really opened up this whole new world for me and and to do it in such a way as you say that can add value to people it just it, it, it motivates me it makes me inspired mm -hmm. and and just goes you know whereas before i mean 
for instance, practicing. I'm terrible at practicing. I don't enjoy it. I'll be honest, hands up. Like, I'll do it because I have to. Mm-hmm. But with things like putting out a video and putting out content, and as you say, you've got to be consistent. You've got to be doing it so much. It doesn't take much for me to do a new video because I'm so inspired by the fact that it might help someone that it's like great okay cool and i've got this long list of subjects i'm like what shall i talk about today Mm -hmm. all right i'll randomly talk about that and and then i waffle on for 20 minutes or whatever and then edit (laughs) together a video fair enough (laughs) what came first i guess in all of this there's educational kind of teacher elements to what you do there's also the performance playing being in being in a band part of a group uh did you just jump straight into being paid to to play drums in bands or did it start from the educational place of i'm good enough now to teach those people younger than me and then it kind of worked and then everything grew out from that so it definitely didn't start with the educational thing because for the first probably 18 years of playing the drums I just was like I'm not good enough to be a professional I'm a complete charlatan someone's going to find me out any minute now and I still (laughs) feel like that to an extent so that's definitely the educational side is definitely a more recent thing so my initial love and dream and all of that was to be playing live and touring and doing all that so that has always been my uh my goal basically and then as I learned more about what being a drummer meant Mm -hmm. I also sort of took in with that i'd love to be someone that is recording in the studio a lot um i ended up having a horrendous experience my first time recording as a session drummer in a studio where i literally just completely failed and i was in tears in front of the producer it was horrendous i was only 16 and oh it was it was like the most heartbreaking thing forget any boy in all of my life that was the most heartbreaking moment of all of my life but I came back from it (laughs) and then sort of carried on touring and doing all that and sort of building up a bit of a name I suppose I mean it's still weird to sort of think of myself like that Um, and then I got to a situation in 2014 where I just parted ways with the darkness I think that's 2014 no 2015 sorry Mm -hmm. Um, I just parted ways with them and I sort of sat down with myself and just went okay this was in May and I thought, right, no one's going to call me for the rest of the year because they still think that I'm out with the darkness. So I need to just think about what do I want to do? What do I really love about what I do? What do I not really like that much about what I do and maximize on the things that I really enjoy? Mm-hmm. And that's when I came up with the idea of, um, I mean, a lot of people were already doing it at the time, but I thought the remote recording thing, I was just like, do you know what? That would be an amazing thing to really get my teeth into and I had like I had a bit of recording experience I worked with like people like Brian Ferry and I'd just done that album with the darkness so I I'd sort of done that from a drummer's perspective but I certainly had no knowledge on the engineering side of things and how that actually like all those recordings actually happened and I thought no I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and I'm basically as I always do just went right this is what I'm doing. And it was just tunnel vision again. And it was just dedication. Um, and that meant that I sort of started up the business. And that was uh, almost three years ago, mm-hmm. which is going super duper well. And it wasn't long after that, that I started doing the educational stuff, because I just thought, do you know what this even if this is my whole ethos, like, I think it's great to help people. But even if someone watches a video of me talking or playing or whatever, and thinks, you know what, 
like she's rubbish i could do that if that makes that if that's the reaction and it spurs them on to do it great mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned i've still done my job in in you know just just making someone believe that they can do it because i think that that is so much of it like mm-hmm. if you listen to me talk and you say yeah i agree i i can do this great but equally if you're going she's an idiot i can do better good go do better please okay. like go do it like show me go yeah. on show me <laughs> cool do you or have you ever had a manager or an agent or anyone like that kind of have you ever been on the books with any business that's going out there trying to find you work I have a couple of friends who do run um, agencies so uh, Bob Knight I don't know if you know Bob he puts together a lot of bands for a lot of uh, uh, like a lot of pop tours basically but he's basically a mate who right. if something comes up that he thinks I'll be good for we're like, oh yeah do you want to go to this audition I'm like yeah cool and yeah. you know I've got a few friends like that similar sort of just but but nothing official Nothing official. Nothing no. official. It's, no, it's... no contracts. Nothing exclusive to one agent or anything like oh, that. Oh no! So no. it's very, it's very much kind of down to you. And so very the next thing so. is, is so what was the first paid gig that well, you my got? First, first paid gig was twenty quid to do a blues jam when I was thirteen, and I was in the house band, and that was my proudest moment. No, got to start somewhere. <laughs> it was actually. But my first sort of, I started out doing uh, a lot of covers gigs. And function gigs. That was my bread and butter. That was from just before I left school, uh, and and for the first three years after I, uh, two years, sorry, after I left school, and I was still living at home and doing all that. And that's and that's finding that's seeing adverts saying we're a band looking for a drummer, and you just applying and you just getting in touch. Or do you know what what it actually was? It was I was playing with a friend. She had an originals thing that she was doing, and I was just playing as a mate for free. And I happened across this bass player that was on the same bill as us. And I was just like, he's amazing. I just want to be friends with him. So I, and I was going to go up to him and collar him and start chatting to him. But he actually managed to collar me before I got to him. And he's like, hello. So you're a really good drummer. I really like your play. I was like, (laughs) no way. I love your bass playing. He's like, well, I've got a gig on Friday. Are you around? And I was like, yeah, sure. He's like, it's a covers gig. And it it was like 50 quid. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, great. So that's kind of how the cover thing worked. And I got into that cover scene and I ended up becoming like the depth drummer because I, I, <laughs> I've always been like this. I have commitment issues when it comes to bands. I'm not very good at being in one band because right. it freaks me out. Okay. <laughs> so, we, uh, might, I, we, we might be coming back around to that at some point. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that is absolutely fine. It's like a therapy session. Gosh. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> Glad I can uh, help. Yeah. So, yeah, I I became the depth drummer. I was playing in a a variation of probably 15 different bands on the cover circuit and and making a bit of a living, but still living at home. Um, And then what happened was I got a phone call from the manager of a band called The Hours, and they were looking for a second drummer to come and record an album and do some touring, and I just went and auditioned, and it was just a recommendation. It was a friend of a friend, uh, and I went down there, and actually, I didn't get it, but the guy who did get it, who is actually the Stereophonics drummer now, uh, he suddenly wasn't available, so uh, they were like, oh, so do you want to come do it? And I was like, I might be second call, but I'll take that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. So, and then ended up, doing a year and a half with them which was great and then that just opened up the floodgates and I mean it wasn't linear it wasn't then a a slow rise there were definitely dips and all of that Um, but it was just 
you just had to keep pushing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm still pushing to this day. I don't take anything for granted just because I'm working. I know that everything can change in a phone call and that can be everything goes away or it means that something else will come in. So it's yeah. so volatile and it's just sort of being comfortable with that. And, and that's where the studio comes in that helps me with that and the educational videos because at least that's a constant and yeah. it kind of keeps me sane. <laughs> yeah, it's, the, it's all the other stuff that you can do whenever you've got the time or anything like that okay let's talk about the business yes is that that is that ed's place yeah well emilydrums.com it was ed's place well researched that was a while ago so yeah (laughs) it was and then i thought i'll call it emilydrums.com because then you really know what it is because ed's place could be anything right Uh, so what is it specifically (laughs) what what makes it different that you know what why do you think you know what tell me about tell me about that and i'll and i'll pick your brains as we go emilydrums.com is a remote recording service so you can get professional drum tracks on your music no matter where you are in the world basically you can be down the road in london or you can be in australia and uh you basically send me your files uh your your guide track or whatever with or without guide drums i will record on it i will send it back for your approval see what you think see if you want any changes or you want anything or you are completely happy and then i will send you the full-on releasable high resolution stems that can be mixed by your producer basically or engineer or yourself basically and did you come up with this idea thinking nobody does this why don't why doesn't anybody do this it wasn't that anyone because some people were doing it and i'd noticed that people were doing it and the only thing that stopped me initially was i don't know how to do that and then I, me being me, went, well, then I should learn. Yes. <laughs> so it was kind of that thing. But as I said, I sort of sat down and, and, and it was at a point in my life where I was, I was able to make a decision of where I wanted to go and whether I wanted to be sort of carrying on trying to find tours, which, as I said, is kind of a difficult thing because you're kind of out by yourself going, hello, can you employ me, please? Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, it's a weird thing and, yep. and kind of trying to sell yourself. I'm not very good at that. Right. But as I said before, if I'm if I'm sort of like helping people, I'm much more inclined to do something along those lines. In, so, in, the, in the world of session playing, you know, performing for multiple people, is that act of selling yourself really important? Do you know what? It is and it isn't because I, okay. So there's no point in being good at something if you're really good at it just in your bedroom. So I think there Mm -hmm. has to be an element of that. And I didn't realize that until my sister basically forced me to record a video and put it on YouTube, uh, whatever it was, eight years ago, which is me wrapped in fairy lights playing to a Foo Fighters song. And Mm -hmm. her whole thing was, look, you're a great drummer. It's just nobody knows about you. And I was like, oh, so annoying, but you're so right. And that was a bit of a turning point for me. So I think there does have to be an element of selling yourself, but I don't think that's the whole story because actually, in reality, in the world of session drumming, being a session musician, people that hire you are generally going to be musical directors. And musical directors generally are going to employ either like people musicians that are friends of theirs because they want to hang out with their mates is it quite cliquey in that way it can be 
really can't. There's sometimes it can be, but do you know what? Sometimes because I've been I've been sort of not let in, but I've infiltrated cliques occasionally. Right. That you know where I had I sort of knew someone, and it was kind of like oh yeah. Um, but you know, after a tour or two with those people, as lovely as they were, I was like, oh, I just I'm not comfortable, and it's this isn't me, and and being okay with that, you know, and just going, well, maybe this isn't the right situation for mm-hmm. me, and all I can say is the point that I'm at at the minute. So I'm touring with Kim Wilde mainly. Yeah. They that whole crew band situation that it's like being with my family they're okay. so amazing and had i forced the cliquey thing that i didn't feel like i belonged in i'd be miserable i'd be absolutely miserable right. but working and and to me like that's not the reason that i chose to do this as a living i wanted to do something that i love mm-hmm. but that's not just the playing side you know life's you've got to have an enriched life you can't just be struggling through it no, it, it doesn't sure. make any sense it may as well as you say you may as well go and get an office job if i'm going to be miserable i may as well be earning some consistent money which i certainly <laughs> yes. aren't here but that, i love it i love what i do <laughs> so. cool you've you've mentioned a few of the groups that you've drummed for you've mentioned brian ferry you've mentioned the darkness you've mentioned kim wilde um i'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite because that's a weird (laughs) thank you but i guess what 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 were those experience experiences like what was the differences between between them all and were there were there differences were for, for instance were you in the darkness as a member of the band not as just someone who was drumming on that particular tour or whatever you know what, what were yeah. the what what set them apart from one another what was good what was bad about them oh it's so interesting you say so every every artist every band uh, that i've played with is different for mm-hmm. various different reasons um even down to the actual performance side of it, obviously down to the people, down to the arrangements. So in terms of, like you say, the darkness, I was a member of the band. And it's funny, we were speak. obviously we've spoken about the fact that I have commitment issues. Being in a band means that you can, well, the way that they were, they were saying basically, you can only be in this band. And I'm like, I love you guys, but I... You know, I'd spent years building up a career playing with different people and and, and, and that's what I thrived on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was like getting married to three guys that really I'd only known for a few months and, and, and basically saying I'm off the market. That's how I saw it. it I mean, it's very overdramatic. But, but, no, no, but that, I mean? that, that particular time was very much a, they were looking for a full-time member of the band yeah. And you auditioned, I'm guessing, and was one yeah. of a number of auditioned uh, drummers who auditioned, and you got the gig. And yeah. then, were you part of the writing process at all, or was or was that album done and dusted, or was so, that the first thing that happened? So what happened was the. I got a phone call from Dan, the guitarist, basically just saying, "Look, we've parted ways with our drummer." Um, and we'd love if you would come down and audition and hang out basically. They'd Mm -hmm. sort of seen a few people, but what they'd seen was that video that I said that my sister made me put out (laughs) five years prior. Yeah, she'll never let that one go, I tell you. I'm gonna find it, I'm gonna find it. There it is. Oh, you got it? (laughs) So they'd seen that and they were just like, we think that you'd be great in this band. Do you wanna come and have a jam, have a hangout? And I was like, yeah, great. And you know, they're the darkness, I was like, 
I remember listening to you guys. That first album was incredible. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, and I said this to them, I didn't realize that they were still doing stuff, but I was glad to hear that they were. Um, and I went down and I sort of like, we played a bunch of songs and I was in the headspace of, look, even if I go down to this audition and all it means is that I got to play I Believe in a Thing Called Love with the guys that wrote I Believe in a Thing Called Love because I've been playing them in covers bands for years. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they started playing it, I was like, ah, oh, this is how it's meant to sound. I was like, you know what? I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. But they did call me back and they said, look, this is a situation. So we have an album that's written, basically, um, but we still need to tweak a few things. There's a couple of songs that completely need to be reworked. So it consisted of being in a house we were recording in for a month. There were two weeks of pre-production and then there were two weeks of recording uh, yep. drums from my side at least. So um, I was initially just going to do that. And that was kind of the thing. And I was like, yeah, cool, great. And as time went on, it was kind of like, oh, no, I really like these guys. They're really cool. And we got them really well. And they were just like, look, do you fancy like being a part of the band and like we'll do a bit of touring? And I was like, yeah, that sounds like great fun. And then it sort of did transpire when I was sort of like, OK, yeah, that's great. I'll do that. And then there was all these other things that I had to do that were nothing to do with drumming, things like loads of interviews and, yeah. and you know, like photo shoots. And I mean, I'm not. I mean, look at me, I'm sitting here with no makeup on with like just some grubby T-shirt. I'm not like this glamour. I'm not about that. No, okay. I'm about drumming and just music, basically. And I found that quite difficult. And then when it was like, OK, you need to be with us exclusively. I was like, that doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't feel like the right thing for me. And and it just it was just a mismatch, which is just a shame because I love those guys and they're great musicians. No, so. but it doesn't necessarily sound like a mismatch. It just sounds like you as a musician, as a drummer, are, are much more in tune with, much more up for the, the style of, you know, I am paid to do a thing for an amount of time. Exactly. Um, I've spoken to a couple of other session players where we've talked about, you know, the difference between being on retainer and, oh, and that scary sort of stuff. Retainer. And, over, and, we, and we, it was an interesting conversation about, you know, the, the, this idea of it's great and there's, you know, there's some support and, you know, there's, there's a safety net there for yeah. you when it comes to the mortgage payments and all that sort of stuff. It's amazing. But, but a well. lot of session players <laughs> don't like it because it kind of means that you have to be available at the drop of a hat whenever exactly. that person wants you to be. So you can't exactly. take all those amazing other gigs and yeah. jobs, even if they're for a weekend here and there that you it's might want to do. And, and it's funny, that's the other thing. So ever since I was like starting out, I've always had this thing of like, okay, if I say yes to a gig, I'm doing the gig. Like I need to be reliable. And I've known that since I was very young mm -hmm. and I don't know why and I don't know where it comes from. But if I'm letting people down, I can't tell you how much it breaks my heart. He sort of said, you can go out and do other gigs, but it was exactly that. It was, but if stuff comes in, then you're going to have to bail on it and you're going to have to come and play with us. And okay. I was like, I am not prepared to do that because it just goes against what I believe as a human, <laughs> basically. No, that's fair so, enough. So yeah, it's interesting you say about that, the retainer thing. The idea of a retainer scares the bejesus out of me. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on oh. at the moment? How did how did that one come about? Is that one much more of a, a generic? Well, not generic, but a general. <laughs> hey, we need a, a drummer to come on tour with us. Let's do a load of auditions, that sort of thing. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about how that happened. Yep. So 
I was playing with Howard Jones, uh, who's an 80s artist, synth artist. He's brilliant. And uh-huh. he was, again, I keep getting into these double drummer situations. I don't know why, but it's a theme. I'm sure so there's... I, I'm, I'm guessing that there's lots of that. There's, they, they've got... If, if, you, if you've got a band that's not fixed, you know, you're not the darkness, you're going to need first drummer and then backup drummer if that drummer doesn't all you yeah. know or bassist or whatever so well, in this situation it's actually two drummers on stage okay nice. <laughs> yeah so i mean that does work though and it has worked the sort of having the backup on stage is really useful but um so i was playing with him and this other drummer called johnny atkinson uh, and i've known johnny for years and we're really good friends and we were doing this tour and he said to me oh by the way i've got this kim gig so he was playing with Kim Hart. I've yeah. got this Kim gig. Um, I can't do it. Would you mind covering it? And I was like, yeah, cool. And I sort of knew the Kim Wilde lot because it's just the 80s crowd and you run into each other and they seem really lovely. I love, I the, I like, love yeah. the flippants. This is just the 80s crowd, you know. <laughs> Honestly, there's some weird <laughs> things that you, you're like, this is quite surreal. So anyway, I went and did this gig and um, and it was great fun and I got on with them even better than I thought I would. And, mm-hmm. and you know when you just click with people and, and they were very rocky and obviously I'm very rocky. Yeah. So it it was just quite a nice match um and then after the gig we were in the bar and <laughs> kim was basically just kind of oh and and her brother rick who's um who is the uh, songwriter in, in the band and mm-hmm. we were chatting and they were just going oh we really loved having you like it's been so enjoyable we really hope we get to do more together and as a joke i went you'll just have to have two drummers and then Kim looked at me and she was like that's a great idea excellent manager was there and he was like what have you done he's also the front of house engineer so all I'm thinking is oh god I'm giving you like eight more inputs you probably don't have and he was like I'm gonna kill you and I was like I love you sorry so I've been with Kim for the last year and a half and we're we're gigging right up until the end of the year and again it's it's the double drummer thing and we've got this live album coming out from we did a whole bunch of touring last year uh and and yeah there's this live album coming out in august and that's all the double drummer thing and cool. it's great i mean getting to hang out with another drummer on a tour is just like it's the geekiest thing for everyone else on the tour but it's the best thing for two drummers because it's like should you talk about drumsticks or like, drumsticks? <laughs> or like what what drums are you using you know we're such geeks <laughs> excellent Do you prefer live or recording? Oh, that's a hard question. There you go. Oh. As a drummer, is it all Obviously. about being on stage or is it about just noodling away in a studio? I love, obviously I'm going to say I love both because I do and, and that's annoying and the worst answer, but I will, I will expand on that. So live, I love because that energy and getting the energy between the people on stage and it's almost like you become like a tribe and that's either you have a tribe of people in front of you that are, are with you mm-hmm. or they're really not <laughs> and you've got to bring them around and you've got to fight and it's like this I don't know I just love that energy of like right come on we're in this together we're going to do this we're going to make them love us mm-hmm. sort of thing I love that and the performance and the energy and I I mean I'm quite big into performing and and you know making sure it looks good as well as sounds good I drumming think. from the shoulder yeah from the shoulder all about it <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and then but the recording thing 
as I say, because it's quite a new thing still for me. It's, I'm only three years into the studio mm -hmm. stuff. Um, because I'm literally learning new things every day, it reminds me of when I first started playing the drums. So it's a very fulfilling thing, sort of learning this new little technique or this new plugin that's that I can fiddle with. And, you know, and, and also like meeting so many people and playing on so many different types of music it just works for my whole psyche and the whole you know that that not being in one yeah, band yeah. thing it's it's like the antithesis of that it's just like this is perfect and i get to be at home which i've never had in my career usually it's just i'm off out on this tour that tour passing ships in the night i don't mm -hmm. see anyone now things like i have evenings where i can just sit and watch tv is like the biggest luxury nice. in the world and it's just amazing and having a bit a little bit of control over my career and what I do and not being sort of like bound to someone calling me saying do you want this tour or do you want to come and audition because it's funny so talking about Jonathan Atkinson the other drummer on Kim Wilde and Howard yeah. um, we sat one day having a coffee somewhere random in some seaside town um, and we realized that a lot of our sort of being and our worth is down to somebody calling us. And that is just so awful. I mean, you think about these musicians that have such low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Of course they do. If they're waiting for someone to call and say, do you want to come out on this tour, but nobody's calling, all you can think is, I must not be good enough. I must not be anything. Like, why is no one calling me? You know, yeah. it's just that awful sort of thing whereas now i've like i say i have a bit of control and if, if work is a little bit sort of dry i'm just like cool i can put my energy into my business and i know mm -hmm. that that's going to give something back and 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 yeah it just works for me so i like both <laughs> <laughs> is that business are you turning down stuff in that or is so there, there's more than enough stuff coming in where you're actually going either no, I don't have the time, or that's not really my speciality, I wouldn't be able to yeah. do a good job with that, or Absolutely. that's not quite up to the standard that I would. Oh, I never say that, only well, no, but you, you're allowed. that's a challenge. No, but okay. that, to me, that's like, okay. Because I've had stuff that comes in and I'm like, oh my God, I can't physically play to this. But then I'm like, okay, well, I need to work this out because this person wants to record this song. So let me make it better for them because that must've been really difficult to record. So like out of time or whatever okay. it is, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, but no, I am, I, you know, I am, I do turn stuff down. If I think I'm not the right drummer for the job, I will not yeah. take it on like 100%. I will be, look, I think this is great, but I'm not your girl. Try this person. Okay. They would be much better because um, I, I, I'm all about people just having the best that they can and, and with them being happy with the result because I would hate for someone to come with me, come to me and then go, actually, it was a bit rubbish. I'd much rather they come in a way going, that's amazing, you've made it so much better. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, but and in terms of clients and stuff, I mean, it is a fluctuating thing. Sometimes I'm completely solidly booked for two months, yeah. but then other times I'm like, I've got nothing in this week at all. But, you know, I, I yeah. use that time in different ways. So instead, I'll record some videos instead to put out there some free stems to give to people so that they can sort of like get an idea of what I do. So mm -hmm. I use it, you know, it's not all about the clients. It's about the business as a whole, I guess. Okay. We've talked a lot about you as a performer going mm -hmm. into a session and, and, you know, jamming or drumming something that somebody else has written. Do you class yourself as a songwriter? as well do you have you got a creative I, I need I need to write songs because I believe you have a creative project either 
on the go or maybe oh, on the back burner somewhat oh, whilst you've been working with Kim Wilde. <laughs> so yeah, I was in- I- I'm interested to find out a little bit more from the creative side rather than just I drum. Yeah, well, I I mean, essentially, my thing is I do drum, that's it. But, um, and I don't songwrite, and I wish that I... I wish I could apply myself to learn a melodic instrument because I think that that would be great. But I love other people's music so much that I'm so fulfilled by that and and sort of getting into the headspace of whoever's writing it. I find that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of happy with not being a songwriter because I feel like everyone else could probably do a better job than I could. A few years ago, I did put together this show. Um, it was a one-woman show. It was called Feathers and Cogs, and it was based around me drumming, basically. Yeah. Um, but what it actually was was this storyline about sort of having these demons telling you that you can't do things, okay. but then embracing them, and then actually you become stronger from that. And it was a stage show based around that premise, which ended up being this very cathartic experience that I didn't realize that I needed, if that makes sense. Okay. But once it happened, I mean, it was the most stressful thing I've ever done in my life. It was, was also say, the most... Do you want to do it? Do you ever want to do it again? But well, this you just said thing. it was stressful, so probably not. It was stressful. We got to the... So it was me and my now husband. So we were engaged at the time. We're now married. Uh, he was... So he's a tour manager as well. Right. But he, he was doing the production side of it. So we were doing this and we got to the end of it and I I felt so drained emotionally because it was very personal to me. It was very much how I was feeling at the time of of the sort of the demons thing and and not being happy with like a lot of stuff, basically. But by the end of it, I felt very like a weight had been lifted, but at the same time, completely exhausted. (laughs) And this was uh, in December 2015, we put on the show. And I still to this day can't bring myself to take take myself back to it to readdress it. I'd love to do a version of it. But it, it, it took so much out of me, right. like emotionally, stress-wise. I loved it, but my God, yeah, like I said, I've never been so stressed out in all of my life. But I'm glad that I did it, and, and it was an amazing thing to know that I could do. And I yeah. think that's kind of what gave me the courage to do things like the studio and the videos and all of that, because it yeah. was like, do you know what? Actually, I don't care. Like, let me just do something. So what? If it doesn't work, so what? Who cares? You've gone down that road as well, rather than the kind of, okay, well, let's see what, you know, poetry I can come up with. Oh, yeah, no, you don't want me doing poetry. (laughs) You're allowed. You're allowed. Right. Oh, you haven't read any. To those drummers out there that are coming up, mm-hmm. what does it take? What is expected of you? You know, when you walk into that session in a studio or on tour or whatever like that, what do you have to just be able to sit down and nail? What is it? What's the, the expectations on you? Okay, right. So there's a few things, but the main things are playing for the song. If that is the situation that you're in, if they're coming in and saying do a solo, go for it. I would be terrible at that. I would never get the job. But play for the song, play with the other musicians, don't play against them. And what I mean by that is listen to them. Don't even listen to yourself, just react. If you can be in a place where you're listening to everyone else and reacting, like in harmony, you are already like in the top 5% of all musicians, 100%. Um, What else? Play in time, that's a good one. (laughs) 
Um, but I think the most important thing out of everything is, and this might sound a little bit weird, but it's making sure that the sound that this is any musician, the sound that you think you're creating is actually the sound that you're creating, if that makes sense. And the way that you can develop that and that I learned the hard way is recording yourself when you're practicing and listening back is the best way to get instant feedback, to get better, to get where you're going, have a goal that you want to, you know, if it's, I want to play this song by John Mayer, I want to be locked in with that drummer. I want to be locked in with Steve Jordan. Okay, great. You play along to that and then listen back. I guarantee you, you're not sounding the way that you think you are. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is work on that until you get so that what you, how you think you sound and how you sound become, in line with each other and the same thing and i think that will put you in a great position for any band it doesn't matter what genre anything and 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 what you're what you're presenting is what you're meaning to is that okay thank you so much for doing this wonderfully odd and weird thing and putting up with it all crashing every now and again and all that sort of stuff it's it's worked no thank you for coming on Massive, massive thank you to Emily for getting involved. A massive thank you to her for replying to my random out of the blue message and for sitting down with me in a very strange context via Skype to talk to someone that she'd never met before. Um, I hope that she's having a blast on tour with Kim Wilde. Uh, And yeah, just it was an amazing opportunity to chat with her and we could have chatted for so much longer and like with a lot of my guests I'd love to sit down with her again and have a chat uh, potentially hopefully next time at least in the same room um, if you'd like to check Emily out um, on the world wide web uh, emilydolandavies.com youtube.com forward slash emilydolandavies instagram.com slash emilydrums and twitter.com slash emilydrums are the various places so check her out especially a youtube channel especially those of you who are interested in session playing and specifically drumming or need someone to lay down some drum tracks for projects that you're working on as always thank you so much for listening Uh, do please tell others about the podcast i'm gradually climbing up there I'm gradually getting more and more people to listen it's it's really great to see that do get in touch with me at uh, the email address behind the business pod at gmail.com uh, find me on twitter at danny champion and find the pod on instagram at behind the business pod i've rambled on you'll hear from me again next week <laughs>